Hi, everyone, and welcome to season six of the Scrub Life podcast. I cannot believe we are in our sixth season, and I want to begin it with a grateful heart because we could not have experienced the growth that we have without your total support. I'm so thankful to all of you for sharing this podcast and especially to the people that have been a part of it and have allowed me to interview them and have been open and willing to talk about the incredible things that they're doing in the field of surgery. So we could not have started season six off with a better guest. It is my utmost privilege to welcome um, Dr. Tamir Wolf. He is the co-founder and CEO of this incredible company called Theater. Theater is the world's first surgical intelligence platform. They have hundreds of thousands of minutes of surgical videos, and each of those is annotated to critical moments in the procedure. All of this is to support and change the way we educate, not just surgeons, but the surgical team. Um, I just know that it's the future of surgical education, and I definitely know that it is going to help decrease disparity, not just from one country to another, but between one state, one city, and from hospital to hospital. The goal here is patient advocacy and consistent excellent patient care. And Dr. Wolf, along with his team, are definitely leading the way towards the future of surgical education. So without further ado, I want to welcome all of you and invite you to listen to my interview with Dr. Tamir Wolf. Okay, everyone. Well, today I have a very special guest with us. His name is Dr. Tamir Wolf, and he is the CEO of a wonderful new platform um, that is combining artificial intelligence and surgery, and it's called Theater. So first of all, sir, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Of course, Chris. Thanks for having me. Definitely. So the first thing I always like to start with is just to get an idea of just who you are. So if you don't mind giving me some personal background, and then we'll jump into the um, the origin of theater itself. Yeah, sure. So um, originally born and raised in Israel. Um, spent quite a bit of time in Israel and the U.S. as a kid. My dad did his PhD at Rice University, so spent some time in Houston. Um, I did my MD PhD in Israel. And um, then I did it as ROTC, served in the Navy for quite a few years in a unit that's kind of similar to Navy Special Ops here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after seven years there, took a break, disappointed my mom that I didn't like proceed into clinical practice beyond <laughs> the military, but uh, I needed a break. Um, went to business school in Boston. And after that, just decided that I want to be in health tech. And so it's been that way ever since. Awesome. Well, yeah. so from, um, I know theater has a very kind of personal um, connection, you know, in, in how you uh, came up with the idea and specifically with an incident with your wife um, and her experience with appendicitis. Is that correct? Can you just talk yeah, to me about the disparity you, you, uh, you know, you witnessed firsthand? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, so it, it's interesting. I'm a physician, but I actually stumbled upon, you know, everything that led to theater um, on the receiving end from the patient angle. Um, we were living in New York at the time, and uh, my 
previous boss and my wife within a span of several months um, had uh, been decided this. I actually diagnosed both of them clinically and I took them to two different hospitals in the city, um, roughly seven miles apart. And the approach to treatment and treatment were very, very different. Um, with my boss at the time, it was like protracted, <clears throat> sorry, decision-making processes before surgery, during surgery. Uh, um, and I already brought them in with like a clinical diagnosis. So it was very weird, but mm -hmm. ultimately, um, bad decisions in, in medicine, they have like this snowball effect. So you make one and then mm -hmm. you make another, and it's like, uh, one decision that leads to bad decision leads to another bad decision. Ultimately, instead of going home the next day, spent a few weeks in the, in the hospital, ICU, septic shock, um, near death experiences. Um, and with my wife, it was like the complete polar opposite, um, 12 hours in and out from the moment we stepped in the emergency room until we were back home, post-op. And I started wondering, like, why is that in New York? It was like 2015 at the time. Um, why is it happening in New York? And like, yeah. you know, what does this mean for surgery as a whole around mm -hmm. the world? And the more I dove into it, the more I, I, I realized something that no one taught me in medical school or anything that I did like, you know, um, as a, as a physician after that, which is there's significant variability and disparity in the way that surgery is taught and performed. Right. Um, even in the U S as you know, as I mentioned, but around the world, there are 7 billion people, um, that do not have access to safe and affordable surgical care. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's amazing. Um, and it's something that, uh, like I just, you know, couldn't accept. And so yeah. started thinking about a way to leverage technology in order to tackle, you know, these issues and to level the playing field. Um, so that, you know, where you live doesn't determine if you live. Um, yeah. That's a very strong point to make. And I think just to know, you know, I don't think that it's too shocking that there is so much disparity within the world, right? Especially when it comes to access to healthcare and quality healthcare, but to know that that, that experience is existing in the same city, you know, um, in the same state in the U S uh, where we have so many regulations and guidelines, it, it just, it, um, I think it's shocking with the amount of technology that we have in the operating room, that that has not already been applied to the way that we train our surgical teams. And so that's really what theater is focused on, right. Is to be able to kind of, um, to supplement that training. Whereas, you know, you do it, the technique that your predecessor did it, who does it the same way, you know, the gentleman or, uh, or uh, taught him. And so it's, it's more of tradition rather than taking, you know, best practices and then incorporating them. So how does theater work? How do you, how do you all help that training um, of those teams? So I think you're spot on. And the fact is that you know, surgery is an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. um, it's been it's been an apprenticeship for hundreds of years, and no yeah. one's ever challenged it, and no one's ever um, thought about a way of doing it differently. And I think that the value, you know, technology for the sake of technology is meaningless. It's you know, technology for the sake of you know, providing stakeholders with value. And the stakeholders in this case are obviously the surgeons. It's like the patients um, and. Yeah. You know, and, and the idea, again, around theater is how do we bring best practices um, and, you know, and disseminate them in, in a way that is meaningful? 
Um, so, you know, you talked about like, all right, let's take the world and not even talk about that. Let's talk about the U.S. Not right. the US let's talk about like a specific city. Yeah. But even within like a specific hospital, you see variability between surgeons that are operating. And, you know, you're you're a tech you're a tech. You, you know this more than anyone else. <laughs> you see this like uh, on, on a daily on a daily basis. You see like yeah. one surgeon versus another surgeon versus another surgeon. Uh, um, and like, why is there so much variability? Um, and so the idea is to be able to, again, harness the power of um, real world information, real world data, real world experiences um, to understand what best practices look like and then disseminate them. So the first challenge uh, um, that my co-founder and I faced when, when we started thinking about this was, all right, let's capture experiences. Okay. Yeah, how do you do, how do that? Do that? <laughs> how do we do that? Um, because the first issue we encountered was that, you know, there are tens of millions of procedures done minimally invasively every year, yeah. but they're not captured and they're not stored and they're not analyzed. You know, a surgeon can take, a, uh, like do a procedure, like with a few uh, small incisions um, and look at a screen all day long, but then everything is lost right. for a variety of reasons. And so like the first thing that we're tackling is really changing the paradigm where what goes on in the operating room is captured routinely, um, is stored in a way that's accessible, um, and that is analyzed so that it's then actionable and palatable to the surgeons um, so that they can use it. Right. Um, so, you know, just one example, a minimally invasive uh, procedure to perform colon surgery, mm -hmm. um, it's called colectomy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in, in this world, you know, a surgeon performs this procedure for two, three, four, five hours. And after that, doesn't have any, like in today's world, doesn't have, doesn't have the video of that to, to be able to, you know, to take a look at, to review, um, to link to outcomes, like multiple use cases. And so what, what we've created, I think, is first of its kind platform, we're calling it surgical intelligence. Um, and the idea behind surgical intelligence is, is just that, to really dive into like video and glean information and insights that can help us understand what best practices look like um, so that, you know, we can then share it uh, with others at scale. Um, and so in colon surgery, for example, one of the key problems that happen usually five to seven days after the patient is discharged home is sometimes you have leaks. Yep. In today's world, no one really understand, understands why these leaks happen. Um, and when you start routinely capturing, you know, procedures and analyzing them and, and diving into like, what is going on within a certain operation, you start seeing patterns. Um, and those patterns can help understand, for example, why these leaks are happening. And so the idea is to take like, sort of like this, you know, void or like entire world where you don't really understand what is going on or you don't have a good understanding of the process and connect it to the millions of data points that we already have today, including what patient goes into the operating room and what the outcomes are. Connect that to actual process to identify patterns to be able to then to start with like various forms of intervention where you can say, uh -huh, I noticed that the way you're doing like this anastomosis or right. is not the optimal way or you need to use something else in order to do it, or identify someone who's struggling and provide them with objective feedback and measures that they can then continuously improve. Right. None of that exists today. Mm -mm. Um, and it's, it's, it, it really is mind boggling when you think about athletes, 
that have access to every role pitch and yaw after a game or pilots yeah. that, you know, can review and debrief. It doesn't happen in, in surgery and people's no. lives are at stake. Well, and we really, I was immediately thinking about that. Like we have instant replay, right? And we're using AI in, um, you know, in the NFL and in various other sports teams so that we can analyze not just performance by our players, but also like for their safety, and, and we truly don't have that. I mean, occasionally you have the teaching hospital that has the, you know, the camera within the light with the headlight and, and we're able to kind of capture those moments, but they're not shared on a larger scale. Um, and one of the things that I really liked about uh, what you all are doing is that you've also kind of annotated these procedures as well to say, you know, to point out moments that are critical, like the, uh, you know, reanastomosis when we're doing a colon resection. And, and like, you know, I immediately think of, um, we just had an instant kind of last week where uh, the hepatic was nicked during a lap coli and a laparoscopic cholecystectomy. Most of our uh, audience is medically minded, but that's the minimally invasive approach to removing a gallbladder. Um, and, you know, the hepatic artery is right there. And yet this is a surgery that is done hundreds of times a day all over the United States. And for us to still be able to get into positions where we're nicking such a vital artery is, um, is scary. Uh, and so just, can you speak a little bit more about that annotation and, and how those like key milestones in a surgery that, that your doctors can analyze? Yeah. So, all right. So let's say we, uh, we traverse like the first like huge gap and like start capturing everything we can like, yeah. you know, the world of, of a surgeon is hectic. Mm -hmm. Like no one has time. It's a surgeon, but also like the techs, nurses, like everyone. It's like, it's yeah. so super like hectic, especially today with COVID. So no one has time to review five hours of surgery after every five hour procedure. Yeah. Well, the, the really core uh, competency um, of what we've achieved at theater is to take a five hour procedure and break it down to its most critical elements. So we call them moments. Yeah. And it starts out with like the key steps of a procedure and key events that occur in a procedure and then key safety milestones that you need to achieve for the procedure to be successful. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we're also talking about like the key decisions that are made. And the idea is that we have um, computer vision capabilities that allow us to automate identification of all of this pretty much in real time. And so before a surgeon scrubs out, a surgeon or a tech or a nurse can take a look at the procedure and review everything that was done. Um, and they can basically navigate very easily within it. So you've got a five hour procedure, you can review it within 30 seconds. Um, and there are a lot of other capabilities around it, but that's like the core capability. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanna say that this is like the beginning, like surgical intelligence, I think is the beginning of a new era where in like a surgical video um, is, is not only something that you take a look at like on youtube you know mm -hmm. forward backward like rewind etc but actually it's there's a wealth of information embedded within and all of these moments that we're annotating or like bookmarking if you will mm -hmm. can then be used um in order to do like very intricate analyses where you know we assess thousands of procedures across hundreds of surgeons and are able to understand what they're doing well, what they're doing, you know, not so good, like where there's room for improvement um, based on just on heuristics and statistics that we can analyze. For example, we can take a look across the department 
and um, and assess, okay, in hysterectomy, for example, um, you know, we want to take a look at a, a specific safety milestone of viewing the ureter. Um, so if we can take a look across the department and say, okay, this surgeon, it takes them 30 minutes to do a procedure, but they never look at the ureter and, oh, and they had like a couple of uh, uh, ureter transections in the past. So these things are probably linked. So we, right. now we need to intervene, but we understand what is going on. We understand what they're doing. We understand what they're not doing and we can continuously help them improve. Um, and that's the entire concept behind like the, behind what we're doing, at least initially, which is um you know providing tools whether it's like a superior viewing experience or the analytics behind it um that basically empower surgeons and take them to the next level and i'd also say that it's also um uh, you know the value of this like the way i see it um is is throughout like the entire life cycle um of, of a surgeon if you will like obviously when they're training you know obviously there's important but once surgeons are done with training the next 10, 20, 30 years, no one really pays any attention. Oh, we do. Don't that. worry, but we can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah. yeah. I kid, so, sort of. Point. Yeah, yeah. But I also think so, like, that I, I love that, that it's continuous, like it's constant improvement because, you know, we're all kind of seeking that. But um, I also love the fact that you can go back and maybe this is the first time, you know, this particular procedure is being done by that surgeon, they can also look at how other surgeons have performed it in the past and kind of just take the best out of everyone. Um, so access like that, I think, is is really cool. Um, my question, though, is that we all know surgeons, um, all of us in surgery are creatures of habit. We like things done a certain way. And I think that from... Um, like how are you how are you getting the videos in order to in increase your database um i think i read that you already have good gosh hundreds of thousands of hours of surgical video um and data you know to be able to analyze but how are how are you even getting in the door um and and getting surgeons to reassess um and participate so Again, it's like the surgical intelligence platform. It's the actual product. So mm -hmm. we have technology. A product is based on top of that. And sure. the product provides multiple stakeholders in the hospital with value, whether it's around safety or around quality or around risk management or around education training or around research. The foundational aspect of it is that if you don't capture it, you can't do anything. Right. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't written down, it didn't happen, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I think that like the, the the foundational aspect of everything and the value that everyone sees is an understanding that you need to start routinely capturing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you have traditional ways of doing it, but none as like intelligent as as this one, right. and not as like frictionless as like what we're offering. So mm -hmm. the entire hardware infrastructure is already in minimally invasive surgical rooms. There are already mm -hmm. cameras. There's already everything. Yeah, you know, but today. Um, or let's say in the past, you know, the team needed to remember to push record or push stop recording and they needed to take a thumb drive and stick it in and then upload it. Yeah. Um, and then they needed to edit it. Well, like these are key barriers uh, to to adoption because you know this, like, you, you know, if, if something interrupts workflow mm -hmm. in, in the OR, it just won't happen. Mm 
And so what we've done is tailor a product that address specifically addresses each one of these. So the entire process of starting and stopping recording is automated. There, you don't need, it's touchless. You don't need to press a button. Um, everything is automatically uploaded to a secure cloud infrastructure, um, HIPAA compliant and everything around that. Um, it's immediately accessible um, wherever you are. Um, it's also de-identified automatically um, for protection of PII, et cetera. Right. Um, and then it's also annotated for you. And so you don't need to press, press a button. You don't need to stick a thumb, a thumb drive into, um, into the, uh, the laparoscopic or robotic tower. Right. And then you don't even need to edit it because it's all done for you. And it's oh, immediate. Man. It's real time. And so these are like just the key basic components of, of what we're doing in our capabilities. Um, and all of this ultimately leads to, um, the one is dissemination of best practices because we start correlating it with outcomes. And then the idea is to start moving very quickly to real-time decision support, which is the holy grail in surgery. Yeah. So imagine that instead of having like one surgeon with subjective experience stand behind you um, and guide you, Imagine what, you know, it would be amazing if you Entire had like, team. the experience of thousands of surgeons yeah. guide you um, wow. based on, you know, um, similar cases. And so that, that is really where we're, where we're headed. That is fascinating. Well, and I want to talk more about where you're headed next, um, especially in regards to the surgical team. Uh, but we're going to take just a really quick break before we do that. All right. All right, so we're back, and um, I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I can't wait to just kind of delve into a little bit more. But so we we talked about where you're at now. Um, I also noticed that when I was kind of researching uh, back in February, you guys already have raised um, in Series A rounds fifteen point five million, and that can go into research and even more development of this awesome platform. And so I just wanted to say. Congratulations for that. Um, and you guys are growing uh, really quickly, right? Yep. So, thanks. I already forgot about that. I already thinking about the next one. Look at that. See, you're just moving forward. Yeah. No, I just, I think that that's really impressive. And, um, and I just, your, your website also talks a lot about the people behind the product, which um, I think is just so important because you've got one heck of a development team. Um, well, from what I've researched and, and, uh, man, so all of that to say, like, what's next for you all? Like, what are you guys currently working on and, and where do you see theater being, uh, I guess going? Yeah. So, you know, we started out with a few hospitals, um, you know, close to R and D, which is in Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so in Israel, um and i think we nailed we nailed like you know in in our world you need to like really understand the market and you know to provide a product that folks are willing to, to use and that provides value and i think we nailed that and so yeah. what we're doing now is pretty much taking over israel hospital by hospital mm -hmm. um and we're also expanding our commercial footprint in the united states you know one of the first hospitals we started working with um, really innovators, I think, in the way that they think about things. Mayo Clinic, yes, um, in in Rochester, um, a bit cold, but other than that, it's like <laughs> it's such a, a beautiful a, area. It's, like a, it's a beautiful area, and like yeah. the people there are like amazing and like 
extremely innovative um, and super minded, um, you know, towards like continuously improving the way that they provide patient care. Yeah. And so it's really been amazing to, to work with them. Um, you mentioned our, um, our former round. Um, mm -hmm. So Mayo Clinic also invested in us. So like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of collaboration going on there. And, you know, this next year we're we're just going to add like you know, hospital systems one after the other here in like North America, where our, a lot of our focus is going to be, mm -hmm. um, you know, to expand our footprint and provide value um, to more and more um, health systems, uh, surgeons and patients. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that a lot of you talked about like data before, mm -hmm. I think a lot of the value of, of, of a platform like our surgical intelligence, uh, you know, stems from the fact that we have tremendous variability you know, just because, you know, that's the world and like where the data is coming from. Mm -hmm. And so we, the idea is to have like very good representation of like, you know, different ethnic groups and different surgeons, different experiences. And like, you know, the more variability and variety you have there, yeah. the better you can then like create a product that addresses, <laughs> you know, that variability that's, you know, out there in the real world. I think right. one of the, um, one of the problems with, like the way that, you know, healthcare, medicine, surgery, like has been, you know, done before, like innovation is that when you take a look at like clinical studies and things like that, they're all very, um, you know, they're, they're super focused and sometimes they lack that variability um, that then leads to, you know, the fact that what you created, you know, isn't relevant to like entire patient population. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the best example, which is, I think you'd probably, you know, agree with me immediately is like all these drugs that, you know, the entire study in the past was performed on, you know, on, you know, let's just say like, you know, you know, white male mm -hmm. population. Right. And then, all right, let's go out in the real world. And like the expectation is that, you know, this, uh, you know, this type of approach would also help, you know, female patients. Well, that's not the case. Yep. Um, <laughs> and so I think. You know, the, the idea of like having a very diverse data set, um, especially when we're talking about, you know, creating algorithmic capabilities and automating everything, yeah. you know, you have to have that type of variability, like baked into like whatever you're doing from the start. Otherwise, the mm -hmm. algorithms are going to be off. It's not going to be relevant. Um, it's not going to be helpful. And yeah. so if we're like thinking about, okay, how do we create decision support tools for, you know, a variety of, you know, surgical patient populations, that has to be something we think about from the start. Right. Um, if we're saying that, you know, the theme behind theater is like tackling variability and disparity, we have to think about it from the start. And it is something that we're thinking about from the start. Well, and I am, um, I can speak to that personally because uh, I worked in Germany in the OR and, um, and then, you know, have worked over here in the States and have even had my children operated on in, in another country. And, and so, to see this, the different approaches just from, just from personal experiences, um, you know, there is a lot of variability. And so, you know, we get, we are massive creatures of habit. And so we need to constantly have that data to be able to reevaluate. And also, I think you, um, you've mentioned before, but, you know, our, we have those, those uh, rural areas that maybe, 
um, don't have the surgical, you know, technology or they don't have the training. And, and so how do we get that information to those smaller areas? Because if there's so much variability in New York City, you can only imagine that, you know, in our in our more uh, kind of well country backgrounds where we maybe don't have those big hospital systems and all of the money coming in, um, you know, they need to be trained and have access to all of that information as well. So it can help globally, but also it can help in our underserved communities, you know, right here in um, where we live right now. So I love that. Yeah. Well, so I know we've already talked about this before, and so I have your permission. I'm just going to say it online. But uh, the patient approach to surgery and the patient's experience, of course, we all as a surgical team are going to advocate for our patient. Um, We're there to support the surgeon and make sure that we as a team work well and are cohesive and efficient. Um, You know, all of those things affect surgical outcomes, but you too can speak to being a patient. And I can't even fathom that that has got to be an approach, I think, and an outlook that you take into all of these meetings. And when you talk to surgeons and it's got to be really, um, I think, personal for you. And so do you mind sharing with our audience just kind of your, uh, your history as not just a surgeon, but also now obviously as a patient? Yeah, so the like twenty one was rough. So yeah, we we raised we raised a lot of money. Yay! Yeah. And then a couple of months uh, after I diagnosed myself with cancer, um, <sighs> and then had to go to go through um, you know two extensive surgical procedures, chemotherapy afterwards, and you know obviously it gets you thinking about a lot. Sure. Um, the like the one you know key key thing I kept thinking about um, is the following. It goes to the philosophy I guess uh, a bit behind the company, which is like you know surface all this information from the operating room that is lost today. Um, so when you think about it, um, you know you get an X-ray, um, mm-hmm. and that X-ray is then interpreted and kept on the PAC system, um, and you know. All right, good. But like what happens in the world of surgery today is that, you know, even procedures that are done minimally invasively and like, you know, a surgeon looks again hours on end at a screen, um, it's sort of like they take, you know, the x-ray, interpret it, and then throw the actual image or the x-ray to the trash. Nothing is stored. Mm -hmm. And so like I find it, I find it extremely um, I don't know, interesting for lack of better terminology and something that we just have to change yeah. um, that like I have access as a patient to every x-ray, CT, MRI. Um, and yet, you know, I was under anesthesia unconscious for eight hours. And the only thing that I have from that experience is a operative report that's narrated. Um, yeah. And it's not like the entire process. And mm-hmm. so fundamentally, I think, this is something that has to change. I think that, you know, everyone likes to talk in, in healthcare about interoperability. Well, mm-hmm. the basis for interoperability or the rationale behind it is let's provide the patient with access to their own information and data and what was done to them uh, while they were in the hospital, where there are entire blocks of time where I have no idea what happened. And Good old Versed and propofol. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, we you do know, that so. on purpose. <laughs> Uh, we're at a tipping point where all of that is going to change. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, th- 
those experiences are going to be captured routinely. They're going to be kept. And now it's a question of, all right, so what do we do in order to learn from everything um, and become better, continuously improve yeah. um, so that we do better? Um, I mean, like we as physicians, like staff, et cetera, we spent decades of our lives perfecting our craft. But like we don't have like the best tools to do it. We talked about athletes. We talked about, yeah. you know, so... Um, so I think that, you know, there's a tremendous opportunity, tremendous opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think also just we, you know, we are statistical creatures and, and so we need to see the statistics behind it. And you can't do that if you don't have, you know, the full comprehensive information. And there are so many options out there for healthcare as a patient. And so, um, you know, from medicine to surgeries to, to chemo and, you know, that approach to treatment that you have to enable someone to be an advocate for themselves. And how do they do that if this completely foreign language that we speak in medicine isn't even given to you? Um, I, you know, we, we laugh a lot about Dr. Google. Um, that's my father's nickname because uh, that's his go-to, right? Like not the surgeon or the physician, he's going to go to Google. And that's scary, uh, which I tell him constantly. Um, so, but, uh, you know, to have this, go out, not just for patients, not just for surgeons, but of course I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the fact that, you know, it takes a team in the operating room and, uh, and the more, yeah. And the better that we work together, uh, the better the outcome for the patient. And so, uh, one of the things I want you to keep on the back burner, I'm sure it already is, but is that we as educators, um, we not only practice, but, you know, we're teaching the future of medicine as well. And so, I can see the uh, the support team around the surgeon also benefiting from learning the procedures this way. Um, you know, I think uh, anticipation is one of those higher level skills that you have to have in order to be really good at your job um, from our approach. And I can see surgical intelligence and theater being uh, utilized in the colleges as well. Um, so keep us in mind, you know, as you're continuing well, yeah. on, you're taking over of the world, which I uh, have no doubt that you're going to do. So, well, um, so if, uh, if uh, hospitals listening um, or uh, surgeons listening or, or any of our other audience, uh, how can they reach you all and get more information and, and become a part of what's going to be the future of healthcare? Sure. They can contact us at like contact at, Theater, T-H-E-A-T-O-R mm -hmm. dot I-O, or contact directly me, Tamir, T-A-M-I-R, at theater dot I-O. Happy to have a conversation with anyone interested. That would be great. And, of course, we will have your website um, and all of that information linked on our on our webpage for the podcast. And, uh, and then definitely, you know, open invitation if you ever want to have a conversation or if there's something new and exciting that y'all are doing that you want to share, um, you're so welcome back. I've really enjoyed our conversations, not just today, but uh, over the weeks and um, I'm very grateful that, uh, that you're doing what you're doing. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Have fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> very cool. All right. Well, that's going to end our episode. Um, and for stay tuned because I'll give more information about this season and uh, how you can reach Dr. Wolf. Hi, everyone. We want to end this podcast a little differently than the way that we've ended um, previous podcasts. And so we have a new segment this season. 
First of all, I would definitely like to say thank you to Dr. Tamir Wolf for sharing what theater is doing in the field of surgical education. I also would like to say a huge thank you to Kate Schoenenstadt, who made this entire episode possible. I'm very grateful to her for making the connection. And to begin, season six is going to have a segment at the end where we share upcoming events and also current job openings. So we have so many events happening in the world of surgical technology. Uh, we are speaking at the uh, AST Educators Conference next week in Las Vegas, specifically about how to incorporate the podcast into your um, educational uh, program. Um, we have the, of course, national um, conference from AST this year. It's happening in May at uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana. And then we have the ARC inaugural Ed Accred workshop as well. That conference is being held in San Antonio, Texas in October. So lots of chances for us to connect, collaborate, and support one another. And then, of course, our last uh, segment in every episode is going to have a section on jobs. So there are so many job openings across the country in the field of surgical technology, not just in the classroom, but at the Mayo stand as well. So we'd like to highlight a couple of those every episode so that you all know what's out there. Um, and if your heart is pulling at you to maybe make a change or, um, or take advantage of one of these openings, I really hope that you do. So in the field of education, uh, two places I wanted to kind of um, recognize today. Uh, one is in Chula Vista, California. The Pima Medical Institute is looking for a surgical technology program director. And then Lackawanna College in Scranton, Pennsylvania is looking for a clinical coordinator. And of course, if you are practicing and you're looking for a job in, in a hospital, uh, there is a position in Lebanon, New Hampshire at Alice Peck Day Memorial Hospital. Uh, they are looking for a surgical tech. And also UF Health Shands Hospital in Gainesville, Florida, they too are looking for a surgical technologist. So there are jobs out there, you all. Let's go get them. Um, take advantage of these opportunities and take amazing care of our patients. So I hope to see you all soon uh, in Las Vegas or at any other conference. And if we can ever be of assistance, please reach out. You can find more information on theater at our webpage. Our webpage is thescrublifepodcast.wordpress.com. And of course, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Scrub Life Podcast. My name is Chris Blevins. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast and our speakers. We look forward to seeing you very soon. Have a great rest of your week.